The menial staff of the Park Lane Hospital for the Dying consisted of 162 deltas divided into two Bokanovsky groups of 84 red-headed female and 78 dark male twins, respectively. When their working day was over, the two groups assembled in the vestibule and were served by the deputy sub-bursa with their soma ration. From the lift, the savage, his mind occupied with death, stepped out into the midst of them. Twins. Twins. He stared with horrified eyes at the khaki mob, in the midst of which, overtopping it by a full head, he stood. How many goodly creatures are there here? The singing words mocked him derisively. How beauteous mankind is, O oh, brave new world. Soma distribution, shouted a voice. A murmur of satisfaction went up from the expectant twins, their attention focused on the black box which the deputy sub-bursa, a young man, was now in process of unlocking. He took out a handful of tiny pill boxes. One at a time, please. No shoving. Oh, brave new world. In the savage's mind, the singing words seemed to change their tone. Now suddenly they trumpeted a call to arms. Linda had been a slave. Linda had died. Others should live in freedom. He pushed his way to the table. Stop! The Delta stared at him with astonishment. Listen, I beg of you, lend me your ears. Don't take that horrible stuff. It's poison. Poison. The deputy subversa smiled. I say, Mr. Savage, would you mind letting me get on with my distribution? There's a good fellow. Never. Throw it all away, that horrible poison. An angry murmur went up from the crowd. The savage turned back towards the twins. I come to bring you freedom. The deputy sub-bursa heard no more. He'd slipped out of the vestibule and was looking up a number in the telephone book. As Bernard arrived with Helmholtz, the savage, shouting, I'll make you free whether you want to or not, was throwing the pillboxes in handfuls out of a window. For the moment, the khaki mob was petrified at the spectacle of this wanton sacrilege. He's mad, whispered Bernard. They'll kill him. Suddenly a great shout went up from the mob. A wave of movement drove it menacingly towards the savage. Free! Free! shouted the savage, and with one hand continued to throw the soma out the window, while with the other he punched the indistinguishable faces of his assailants. And suddenly there was Helmholtz at his side. Good old Helmholtz, also punching, and at intervals throwing the poison out by handfuls through the open window. As the last of the soma vanished, the police, goggle-eyed and swine-snouted in their gas masks, ran in. Three pumped thick clouds of soma vapour into the air. Two more were busy round the portable synthetic music box. Four others, carrying pistols charged with a powerful anaesthetic, pushed into the crowd and were methodically laying out, squirt by squirt, the more ferocious of the fighters. Suddenly, from out of the synthetic music box, a voice began to speak, the voice of reason, the voice of good feeling, straight from the depths of a non-existent heart. 
My friends, what's the meaning of this? Why aren't you all being happy and good together? Happy and good, at peace? Two minutes later, in tears, the Deltas were kissing and hugging one another. A fresh supply of pillboxes was brought in, a new distribution was hastily made, and to the sound of the voices' valedictions, the twins dispersed, blubbering as though their hearts would break. When the last of the Deltas had gone, the policeman switched off and the angelic voice fell silent. "'Will you come quietly?' asked the sergeant. Or must we anaesthetize? Oh, we'll come quietly, said the savage, dabbing alternately a cut lip, a scratched neck, and a bitten left hand. The room into which the savage was ushered, in company with Bernard and Helmholtz, was the controller's study. His fortship will be down in a moment... The Gamma butler left them to themselves. Helmholtz laughed aloud. It's more like a caffeine solution party than a trial, he said, and let himself fall into the most luxurious of the pneumatic armchairs. Cheer up, Bernard, he added, catching sight of his friend's green, unhappy face. But Bernard wouldn't be cheered. He went and sat on the most uncomfortable chair he could find. The savage, meanwhile, was wandering restlessly round the room when the door opened and the resident world controller for Western Europe walked briskly in. Mustafa Mon shook hands with all three of them, but it was to the savage that he addressed himself. So you don't much like civilization, Mr. Savage. No. Bernard looked horrified. What would the controller think? To be labelled as the friend of a man who said that he didn't like civilization, It was terrible. But, John, a look from Mustafa Mond reduced him to an abject silence. Of course, went on the savage, there are some very nice things. All that music in the air, for instance. Sometimes, quoted the controller, a thousand twangling instruments will hum about my ears, and sometimes voices. The savage's face lit up. Have you read it too? I thought nobody knew about that book here in England. Almost nobody. I'm one of the very few. It's prohibited, you see. But... As I make the laws here, I can also break them. With impunity, Mr. Marx, he added, turning to Bernard, which I'm afraid you can't do. Bernard sank into a yet more hopeless misery. But why is it prohibited? asked the savage. Because it's old. That's the chief reason. We haven't any use for old things here. Even when they're beautiful? Particularly when they're beautiful. We don't want people attracted by old things. We want them to like the new ones. But the new ones are so stupid and horrible. 
feeling people kissing. Why don't you let them see Othello instead? Or at least something new that's like Othello. That's what we've all been wanting to write, said Helmholtz. And it's what you never will write, said the controller. Because if it were really like Othello, nobody could understand it. Why not? Because you can't make tragedies without social instability. The world's stable now. People are happy. They get what they want. And they never want what they can't get. And if anything should go wrong, there's soma. All the same, Othello's better than those feelies. The controller agreed. Of course it is. But that's the price we have to pay for stability. You've got to choose between happiness and what people used to call high art. We've sacrificed the high art. We have the feelies and the scent organ instead. Happiness is never grand. I suppose not. But need it be quite so bad as those twins? He passed his hand over his eyes as though trying to wipe away the image of those long rows of identical midgets. I see you don't like our Bokonovsky groups. I assure you they're the foundation on which everything else is built. But seeing you can get whatever you want out of those bottles, why have them at all? Why don't you make everybody an Alpha Double Plus while you're about it? Mustafa Mon laughed. <laughs> because we've no wish to have our throats cut. <laughs> Imagine a factory staffed by unrelated individuals of good heredity, capable of making a free choice and assuming responsibilities. It's an absurdity. An alpha-decanted, alpha-conditioned man would go mad if he had to do epsilon semi-moron work. Go mad or start smashing things up? No. The optimum population is modelled on the iceberg. Eight-ninths below the waterline, one-ninth above. And all those non-alphas, they're happy below the waterline in spite of that awful work. Awful? They like it. It's light. It's childishly simple, no strain on the mind or the muscles, seven and a half hours of mild labour, and then the soma ration, and games, and unrestricted copulation, and the feelies. What more can they ask for? Mind you, it isn't only art that's incompatible with happiness, it's also science. Science is dangerous. We have to keep it most carefully chained and muzzled. But we teach that science is everything, said Bernard. It's a hypnopedic platitude. Yes, but what sort of science? I was a pretty good physicist in my time, too good. I started doing a bit of real science. What happened? asked Helmholtz Watson. Very nearly what's going to happen to you, young man. I was on the point of being sent to an island. The words galvanized Bernard into violent and unseemly activity. You can't send me. 
I haven't done anything. Oh, oh, please, don't send me to Iceland. I promise I'll do what I ought to do. Give me another chance. Please, give me another chance. The controller rang for his fourth secretary. Bring three men and take Mr. Marx into a bedroom. Give him a good soma vaporization and put him to bed. The fourth secretary went out and returned with three green-uniformed footmen. Shouting and sobbing, Bernard was carried out. If he had the smallest sense, he'd understand that his punishment is really a reward. He's being sent to a place where he'll meet the most interesting men and women in the world. All the people who've got independent ideas of their own. I almost envy you, Mr. Watson. By the way, would you like a tropical climate? Samoa, for example? Helmholtz rose from his pneumatic chair. I'd like a thoroughly bad climate. I believe one could write better if there were a lot of wind and storms. The controller smiled. How about the Falklands? That'll do. And now I'll go and see how poor Bernard's getting on. And I don't want comfort either, said the savage when they were left alone. I want real danger. I want freedom. I want poetry. I want God. I want sin. In fact, said Mustafa Mond, you're claiming the right to be unhappy. That's right. Mustafa Mond shrugged. You're welcome. <laughs>